Okay. Yeah. You should do the intro because I mean, you sound yeah, because it is a welcome <laughs> to episode one type thing. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Welcome to episode one of Absolutely Feral podcast, where two feral creatures talk about stuff that make white dudes big mad. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri, Wurrung and Bunung people, the traditional caretakers of the land I live on, create on, and that I'm recording this podcast on. And I am on Shawnee, Miamia, and Hopewell land here in Ohio in the U.S. Hello. Who are you? Hi. Who am I? <laughs> um, I am LaShonda Love. I am a multidisciplinary slash interdisciplinary artist based in central Ohio aka rural ass United States <laughs> um a I guess I should also say like a, a brown queer person living in the rural United States um yeah I mean I could go further into my background but I feel like that'll be later so who the heck are you who am I I don't well, uh, no, a little it's bit. a big question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be an episode on its own. Oh, truly, right. <laughs> so I'm Enkvi Saviero. I'm 26. I'm living in West Nam on Wurundjeri, Wurrung and Bunurong land. Um, I use he, they pronouns. I like messing about with art, video games. And honestly, I think I can without shame actually call myself a little bit of a film buff nowadays because that's all I do I love watching things I love absorbing entertainment and also really like writing writing and I like reading and I like all things that make my brain go burr (laughs) we'll we'll come back to the film stuff because Stephen and I just watched a film that I want to talk about that I feel like if you haven't seen it you need to see it but we'll we'll come back to that (laughs) but your yours was so thorough I forgot to say I use she they pronouns um and you reminded me of that and then there was something else you said but I forgot it so now it's gone but mm, I think yeah. I said well like uh, oh you said your age too yeah I mean I'm not gonna say mine because I kind of want to just be eternal um that, that like they'll never be able to date me with this thing true yeah good for you. <laughs> um yeah <laughs> all right so I love I that. guess we could talk about because absolutely feral sort of was birthed out of this unbound project that we work on maybe we can work our way through how unbound was a thing how it connected us and then how we sort of birthed absolutely feral out of this let's sound good yeah I like the sound of that let me start by asking you oh when did the concept of unbound pop into your little brain Oh gosh. Um, it would have been when I was super unemployed, uh, in <laughs> 2019, I think it was, uh, late August of 2019. I was sort of, um, sitting around, I had just gotten a job with Lululemon, um, wow. which like shout out OGs, uh, <laughs> what a great place for me to work at the time. Um, but I was working at Lululemon part-time And then trying to find something to do with my art in my spare time. Um, But every place that I could find where I needed to submit work to or sort of submit articles or any ideas that I had, um, they all required at the time, I think 
places are a lot more open now, but at the time, all I could find were things that required me to have like a very extensive background as a creator. And then when I would go to their websites, it was majority white folks, majority people who um, just didn't really seem to represent the same identities as me. So I was asking myself, you know, am I even going to get accepted here? Is this the right move for me? This doesn't seem like a space that I'm even qualified to put my work in. So then I was like, well, fuck that. (laughs) I mean, who cares, right? Like some of us just don't have a really extensive art background and we're not going to just off the fly make it as far as some like cis white guy will. So let me create a space that feels much more accessible, um, not just for myself, but for other people. And I immediately started bouncing this idea off of people on this old website, which is still around, but it doesn't, uh, I mean, it's not the same as it used to be, daisy.com. It originally, when it was first born into this world, was created by um, Maisie Williams as a platform basically for creatives to gather and collaborate on projects. So you couldn't follow anyone. You couldn't friend anyone. You grew your network by working on projects with people. So I created Unbound on there and a bunch of people were super interested in it. (laughs) And that first issue was really just a lot of um, women, trans and non-binary folks from literally all over the world saying, hey, I really want to submit my work to this. And we have no theme. The theme is just submit your work <laughs> you think. yeah um but that first issue came out and the rest is history right because then it just yeah. connected the rest of us together through this little web of little weirdos all over the world <laughs> web of little weirdos that is a great <laughs> way to describe us to be honest hey um if you want to summarize real quick what is unbound tell me what that is yeah okay there is Unbound, the OG concept, which was simply Unbound Zine. Um, it was at its inception a monthly, oh gosh, I can't even remember how it started. <laughs> it's been so long and a pandemic has happened since then. Um, <laughs> at the time, happens, hey. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it started, yeah, it started off as a monthly publication um, basically centering the creative works and voices of women, trans, non-binary people. That was our original mission statement. It's kind of glowed up a little bit since then. Um, now there is Unbound Arts Collective, which is sort of the overarching, completely volunteer, manic run, <laughs> manic, run. Um, mm-hmm. manic run group of, uh, you know, BIPOC and queer folks who create the space that allows Unbound to happen and also projects like this. Yeah, that was a little creature X there, the way I said that. (laughs) And also projects like this. (laughs) I wonder if we'll hear more about that a little later on. Yeah, probably if I talk more about myself later. (laughs) Well, I'm going to get you to talk a bit more about yourself. You're a very interesting person. (laughs) I'll get you to talk about yourself uh we'll get there eventually um okay so where do I where did when did I end up meeting you I can't remember what year it is now I don't know when we met but I know that we I know that our meeting story is just the weirdest because 
I was friends with Laura, Laura on Facebook. I love Laura. Like, and I don't, I don't know Laura. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so Laura, wild. Because I think Laura and I met because we were in the same Facebook comments section where people were arguing, <laughs> and we were we were using tag groups because you remember when you used to use yeah. tag groups to argue with people. And I think Laura just had a cool tag group. And I was like, heck yeah. And we were like connecting in the comment section of some Facebook argument, became friends. And then it was maybe a month later and they messaged me and were like, hey, I have a friend that I think you'll be friends with. That's, so oh my goodness. It was like this like twofold internet friend moment. Love and then that. here we are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, I love hearing that from your perspective. So I I love Laura. Laura is Laura has my heart. Um, like we we've hung out real life. We uh, I I Amazing. adore Laura. Um, but we met in a group. Um, I can't remember what group it was, but someone in the comment section was like, "Hey, who wants to have a uh group chat where we can kind of not just trip sit, but like talk shit." And stuff and like oh, yeah, yeah absolutely and Laura was the one if not running it but definitely was in it and we were both in the same city and so we connected and we're both Capricorns and yes. Laura is one of my favorite people in the world so I love that and, and then yeah um Laura then one day yeah uh Laura introduced us and yeah I got involved with doing design it was because I had started doing some design work in another in a group I had been kind of volunteering at which has its own story but you know that's that's for another episode isn't it maybe it's for this episode who's, who's to, to say? say we'll see what <laughs> how the world takes us um but yeah, uh, so I was doing some like design work and that. And at the time I taught myself how to use Quark Express and I really loved the way that felt. I love the way, like, the, like putting together fonts and colors, like that felt really fun and creative for me at the time. And so then I taught myself how to use InDesign and I'm um, like, I really wanted to more publication stuff this seems really great and I was saying that to Laura and Laura's like hold up got a brilliant idea here and yep. then connected us and so yeah I've been doing some of I've been doing a lot of the layouts and the recent ones yeah I think really I think you've been working on at least more than half of these at this point Oh, wow. Yeah, we've already reached that. Hey, I didn't realize this. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm thinking, too, that you joined on pretty early on, but you didn't immediately join on as, like, the publishing lead or as the assistant director, which is, I think, the title that is there for you now. <laughs> it's <laughs> Titles are weird because it's, like, it's now this collective feeling thing, and it's just you and me and like a couple of hands on deck when we need it yeah um yeah. rather than like this more full-fledged team that was forming before the pandemic started and then yeah went you know tits up as soon as COVID hit <laughs> pretty much on the dot hey but we yep. no, we persevered and I love that I love that for us 
we are not. I also oh, feel like we just dog. needed a break, you know? Like, we just needed the break. I didn't know back then that, like, burnout was a thing. I, I was still operating as, like, this super uh, capitalist-driven, like, garbage rat person who, like, had no idea what self-care was. Um, so I feel like we we all burnt out very quickly within the first couple of months of the pandemic. And it was like, you know what? We need to just fucking chill for a while. <laughs> we need to just take a break come back to this in a little bit I think we took a brief hiatus during 2020 did a little tiny bit into 2021 and then just took another nice long year and I feel like that's been chef's kiss I know that it's an audio recording so I can't actually <laughs> do chef's kiss <laughs> but no I think taking a step back from it has been good though I think I think both you and I have like grown and changed a lot as people in the last yeah. few years and I think it'll be really great to approach this now in this climate and this kind of well at least for me at this at least this space that not just my brain but my body's sitting in and I'm so excited to like see what kind of comes out from that and I guess yeah. from there absolutely feral that came from how great we are at conversations yes we just look at us go just back and forth ebb and flow look at us we're just we are you know you're the sock to my boskin type vibes you know like we're the what (laughs) you know like um okay you know this is this is the entryway to us telling people that we live in different countries and are constantly boggled by well no this is so not an Australian thing are you sure um, maybe I'm just no this is um (laughs) you know like in theater how there's the those two white masks the one with the big smile the one with the sad yeah yeah that's what they're called the sock and the boskin like it's it's like it's a it's a typical like trope like a duo like yeah all my theater friends are going to be really upset as are like (laughs) all of my teachers who ever had me read like fucking Shakespeare you know oh no (laughs) that's that's the entrance to me not knowing anything that's that's people now learning (laughs) one thing about me that isn't available to them online except in this episode right here I don't know anything and look look (laughs) you and I both I mean some days we do share the single brain cell it is just between us and how many so many of the publications have been on like not even one brain cell just running on fumes just pure running on fumes absolutely just us two hours some of our our best work let's be honest like we're just it was hard but it was good you know yes it it's like, I don't know. I, I don't really know anything comparable to how exhausting it has been, like staying up or I guess for you, like waking up earlier for me, staying up later, vice versa, because we are on a yeah. time difference that we still don't know what the exact yeah. hour difference to is between day. us. It's been to years this day. At this point. <laughs> We've been working for, for over two years together and we don't know. Yeah. No idea. What are, what are what, how to convert time between us, um, <laughs> but just staying up super super late, and then you have the design done, and you send it to me, and then I make little notes on it, and I send it back to you, and we just go back and forth, yeah. and then it's like it really is just tossing a single brain cell cell back and forth back with and each forth. other. Brain Absolutely. cell. 
<laughs> it's it's later in the evening for me. Yeah. So you're getting you're getting the best of me today. Look, no, <laughs> I I I had a pretty late night, so you're getting the absolute tip top shape of me as well. So yeah. <laughs> We still somehow sync up, which I think is great for us. Yeah, I think that's that's another thing about us. We have weird syncs, don't we? We have weird synchronization. Oh yes, it's a bit, it's a long catty to be honest. I think my favorite thing that you've ever said is that um, the universe just did copy paste on us, yeah. one in the US and one in Australia. Yeah, and just <laughs> kind we're... of switched around a couple of little parameters, yeah. not many, just a few. Yeah, <laughs> they just switched the tiniest little things like I mean we both have a background in music we were talking about this earlier and I always forget that somehow that you also have a background in music you have to remind me of what instruments you play yeah it started like violin and then it was then violin piano and then viola and like I've always kind of dabbled in guitar and like when did you start playing violin violin since I was four like that since was, you were four yeah I was a baby it, it was oh shit <laughs> um but no I I had to um I had to I was like in all the ensembles all the quartets you know that Amazing. that kind of like uh high school life you know um I, I was a private school educated bitch like um I oh you said that, private school yeah fully okay I this was, is also news to me oh did you that. not know that yeah yeah no, that's fancy my, bitches in this house that's my I was the poorest <laughs> person in the private school and my goodness did people make that known um it that's was, how I felt at college yeah it like <laughs> oh, first person in my class you can you can feel the separation I yeah I'll talk a bit more about that um so when I um when I was around I don't know 15 I started getting some pains in my elbow um so mm. don't know what it was I don't know what happened but turns out I got some nerve damage in my um left yeah, that's my left. Sorry, my brain had a. Ooh, anyway, uh, that's my left it's elbow. Okay. Um, so it just like my ulnar nerve was compressed where it was. Um, mm. so that just put me right out of playing stuff for the longest yeah. time. Like to this day, like the dexterity just isn't there with like the uh, ring and the pinky, uh, and mm-hmm. that you know you need a little bit more strength. You need a little bit more finesse, and like because the nerve directly affects these two it's just like it's just not the same like absolutely I can be trying and like really pushing it but that means I can't be typing I'm gonna be in pain and like yeah one day absolutely I want to be getting back into like music and stuff like I miss that so much like a lot like um my my violin I love her so much she's she's my baby She's oh, a gliga. She's beautiful. And She's what? A gliga. Like if you look her up, like I can even find you like a recording yeah. of like a demo of her being played because I don't know. I this is my big old controversial opinion. I don't think Stradivariuses sound that good. That's... Okay, I'm gonna further the controversial opinion here. Listen. I believe this is just going to become a, a shit talking classical music <laughs> podcast, Absolutely. by the way. Yeah, completely. <laughs> um, but I truly, having played on shit instruments my entire life, and then like I borrowed what was supposed to be a like 
and I'm using air quotes here, like a decent instrument in college, there was little to no difference. Yeah. Like, no, let's say you you go and get that shit restrung. You get a new bridge. You like get everything looked at. There's hardly any difference for me between if that's a three hundred dollar violin or if that's a three thousand dollar violin or beyond. Yeah, there's the most minor sound differences in tone, but you get that between any instrument. Like Absolutely it doesn't right. You get and that, that between three hundred dollar violins, depending on like what rosin you're using, what bow mm-hmm. you have, what mm-hmm. strings you have. Oh my goodness! And let's not like, even talk about it's down to the player too. Absolutely, right? <laughs> yeah. There's I mean, so you could put you could put. Sorry to keep popping the filter on that. <laughs> um, you could put any, you know, white dude, Joshua Bell, who he's the only great example I have for like a good violin player right now, unfortunately. <laughs> um, sorry, Joshua Bell. Um, but you could put him on like a garbage instrument and like, yeah. he's going to play it like he would if he was on a Stradivarius you know what I mean absolutely and it's still gonna sound really fucking good and like much better than most anyone could do who is not a music person yeah and you know look I think it is ultimately a lot about personal taste as well because Mm -hmm. I mean particularly with the Stradivarius I think like over time I've learned why maybe I'm not into it um I think just I have a theory that like I I think we really like instruments that kind of mimic our own voices a bit Mm. and it like resonates a bit better with what we're used to hearing and so the Gliga like my baby has a bit of a deeper and richer lower to middle register and um, I don't know there's something about the Strat that has really clean upper high register stuff but that's not necessarily what I like yeah it's not necessarily what resonates with me I have a question for you yes related to this to keep you on this subject um you mentioned starting off on violin and then going to viola I have a similar story yeah mine is actually mine is actually centered in pain as well Um, uh but talking about instruments that sound more like our voices I don't know about you but for me the viola is a deeper richer tone than you get from a violin and as soon as I started playing it I was like this is it this is the one this is the thing I play um do you feel like the that like voice extends to playing like a lower range instrument like a viola or yeah you feel that more with just the type of violin you play I think it was despite what my voice sounds like right now which is like (laughs) six almost six weeks on tape it's that kardashian vocal fry you got going on right now despite that (laughs) i have a pretty i have a pretty big range right and i think like um because back in the day i had like whistle tones and shit you know like when you sing too don't you yeah yeah we'll we'll get to that part of the journey yeah yeah. (laughs) but yeah i've always been classified as like a mezzo soprano but able to do upper register stuff in the choir and things it like if need be it was kind of like oh if there's like a little solo or something but um and so I think um it might have been also the amount of time I had been playing the violin as well but that has always mm. been my baby so I think I I was 
I also think it was circumstantial. I was like forced into playing viola. So it was not like a choice that I made. It was literally like, we don't have anyone to play this part and we really want to perform this. It'd be like that when you play viola. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I do not want to do that. And it was like, it was kind of like, oh, we'll do or you, you can't really be part of this type thing so it was like okay I guess I gotta learn how to play viola which was like it I was I was 14 at the time this was not something I wanted to be younger than than even when I started on viola yeah right but that did not last with me because like I said I did not want to be doing this at the time like I had been (laughs) also like officially learning piano as well so like I already had those two like to be doing exams with and so like Mm -hmm. to be also adding I need to learn another clef and I need to be uh, need to adjust to oh I it it was a it was a learning (laughs) curve for me all right I was I was a little older I was stuck in my ways you know I had been playing the violin since I was four so it was just circumstantially, uh, it was not the best situation for me to be learning an instrument. And so I think I never really bonded with this instrument at all. It was such a shame, really. And I don't think if I were to pick it up again, and also, look, I know we did just have a conversation about cheap instruments. However, there is the, um, I'm going to go with plastic sounding instruments that like physically hurt my ears. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know that sound. Okay. I've got a story about one of those for oh, later. Because okay. this is now the music podcast. It's now <laughs> sorry to anyone on... who knows nothing about music yeah, or instruments. This is interesting only to us. <laughs> or, like this is a conversation just for us. I love that. <laughs> I yeah, because I didn't have my own viola, right? Because I'm not buying a new mm. instrument. So yeah, sure. someone had converted this really cheap violin that sounded already really plasticky in with into like viola strings and I'm like this oh, is no. not oh it's no oh no that was my first viola too was just a <laughs> violin with a c string where the yeah. g string goes <laughs> yeah it's not it's not that good. Is, it's it's be- the body is not built to do that the it's body of the violin it. is not built to sound good when you fuck with it like that it's so not <laughs> like the fingerboard that is so it's too it's thin really it is not made for this so bad oh no it's not good i'm I... sure that someone i'm sure that someone who will listen to this at some point has done it has had the violin strung like a viola oh, and absolutely. knows the the absolute disgusting garbage that that feels like and sounds like it was yeah. so bad it's it's grating it's truly it doesn't feel good I played juries I played juries my freshman year on a fucking <laughs> violin with a c-string oh, I had professors judging me that making sure that I passed on that instrument <laughs> that is so <laughs> intense I mean look on that though back it up a little bit tell me about your Tell me about your little musical journey with viola. Yeah. So, um, well, I'll take it. I'll take it back. Not as far back as you. Um, You started when you were four years old. I started when I was in fourth grade, um, which for the U.S. is like eight or nine years old. I think I was eight, maybe. Um, 
I don't know. You're looking at me like it's that, not that different. No, I know no, some places like schooling is a little I think that's, in different countries. I think that's correct. Uh, correct, I say. I correct. think that's like the same. I was, yeah, year five, I was... 10 years old so yeah I yeah think that checks that out that yeah. checks out yeah um also so what I was in fourth... with us and the number four just saying. I know we'll get to that I anyway know. continue <laughs> um so I started violin when I was in fourth grade it was not actually even offered as a class because I was a public school hoe. Like I did not, we were not in anywhere fancy. It was not fancy whatsoever. So we had a string teacher who came out, shout out to Diane Harding, my fourth grade string teacher. Um, I was the only kid in class. Well, in fourth grade, I was one of two kids in class and we played out of the Essential Elements Strings book. Um, I did not learn how to read music because why would I do that? I just learned how to play by ear and I continued that method until I was a senior in high school. And someone said to me, Hey, you know, maybe you should fucking learn how to read music if you're going to go to college for it. Um, but let's rewind (laughs) because in fifth grade, I was the only kid in class. Um, my parents tried to buy, do you guys have JCPenney in Australia? JCPenney. It's a department store. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like a Macy's or whatever. But like, you know, I maybe. love that you say that. Like, we have a Macy's. I don't know what we don't have Macy's. Oh shit. Um. Okay. Well, Hollister. <laughs> no. Hollister? Oh, actually, look, you know how okay. Hollister is a mall store or like a- Abercrombie and Fitch. Okay, that I understand. You yes. you know like you know like mall store. Like yeah. a store that's in a mall. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, JC Penny was like that. It had okay. clothes and stuff. It was not cool. It was not a cool okay. place like a Hollister or an Abercrombie and Fitch. Okay. Um, but they also sold like random shit, like house goods and stuff. Um, so it's just an overall department store. Okay. So um, I feel like for my parents Australian listeners out there. I feel like we can compare that to like some of Big W or something. What the fuck? Is yeah, that doing? probably means we'll nothing. talk about. It. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll connect on this afterwards. Um, <laughs> I'll send you pictures of JC Penny. <laughs> um, but when I was a kid, um, it's funny how quickly things change as well. But when I was a kid, uh, my parents would receive the JC Penny catalog, so they'd get a little magazine in the mail that would have all the shit you could buy at JC Penny that year. Um, and they would get my clothes, like get me one outfit before school started. And they saw a violin in there in the JCPenney catalog. Oh my goodness. For a hundred dollars. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I love and, where the story is going. And bless them. They got me the JCPenney catalog violin. I took oh. it to school and my teacher was like, listen, I understand. <laughs> but this is definitely not going to work. This oh is for God. sure not going to work. So she, it, we ended up sending it back and I was playing on like a school loaner instrument for a yeah. while. And then I also happened to still be indoctrinated in the Christian church at that time. And so Ooh, I was going, <laughs> I, and we can talk about that later. Oh, we can. Um, <laughs> but I, I was very active at church. I was so involved and was just like a good little church kid 
and the <laughs> person who um ran like the singing because we, we didn't really have a choir but we sang hymns and stuff like that um she had a violin and she gave it to me as like a gift and was like you just have to play at service sometimes but please take this you've got a gift like go and do it and so i started playing on that instrument i still have that instrument to this day um and it's like one of my primary violins that i play on but i continued that all through high school and didn't really pick up any other instruments during high school. Um, went to Denison University for college to get my music degree, um, which I like oh, <laughs> thanks. So um, I don't do anything with my degree. I like I'm starting to now. I'm starting to go out there and do more music stuff. Um, but uh, well, okay. There's a hard story to tell here, which is my dad was a huge supporter of my like violin education yeah so when I went to college my very first semester there he died from cancer which I just say it it's fine like I don't need we're not you know it's fine um but I stopped playing violin at that time and it was sort of connected to him but also like I had the opportunity to move to a different instrument um my violin teacher at the time was actually primarily a violist so I was like you know what let's make this transition started playing viola, then also started playing percussion, which don't, I mean, I'm not good at it, but I did take four years. Um, but oh, I'm fantastic. As, I did not know that about you. Oh, thanks. Um, my percussion professor, one of the coolest people I know, love him so much. Um, he, bless him, really put up with me for four years. <laughs> I, I did not do a good, I did not do a good job on percussion uh not his fault <laughs> just for anyone who even knows what I'm talking about because I I imagine that like our friends will listen to this before a general public does yes like it, it was not not my professor's fault that I didn't learn shit it was my fault <laughs> I'm just that. I'm just bad at it um and then took every class imaginable at Denison trying to get my money's worth for my music education so started viola um and I still play violin, but it's just not my primary instrument. Yeah. So yeah, viola percussion, took some piano classes, took some voice classes because I was like, might as well. Learned very quickly. Not for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I just like fiddle around in some different ensembles and shit like that. You know, yeah. the things the music people do, we just do everything. The there's do, yeah. there's not a musician that does one thing. No. Maybe 100%. maybe that's Joshua Bell. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, probably Joshua Bell. That probably that Joshua dude, Bell. That, that guy, you know. <laughs> so apparently it is like rag on Joshua Bell podcast. So I know. I don't even like I don't even dislike him. I don't I, I don't, have zero opinion on Josh. I yeah. I don't care. I, <laughs> he's just a guy who's fine, good at like he's good at violin, you know. Yeah, good for him. I don't know why I'm shitting on him today. No, he didn't no do anything that, wrong. That rat bastard, you know. Uh, Joshua Bell, that rat <laughs> bastard. Accurate. Joshua Bell's gonna send us a cease and desist letter. Yeah. Who am I it. kidding? He does he's not true. gonna ever know we exist. <laughs> no, I don't. Why would he ever? Because that would be really weird. Um you know, wait, I have one more story because yes. this is how we are. Um about Joshua Bell. Oh my goodness. Okay, I love that. Let's continue. So when I was in my senior year in college, I got free tickets to go see Joshua oh, Bell perform live right. at the Ohio Theater. 
um, which is like a really nice historic theater here in the state that I live in. Um, I went on a date with Steven, my current partner. We left halfway through to go to White Castle. <laughs> and I feel so bad about it, but we like we dressed up and everything. And like we were halfway through and I was like, yeah, it's he's playing Paganini. <laughs> I don't I mean, I can watch him on YouTube later. Let's go get some fucking White Castle. <laughs> And we dipped out during the intermission and got fucking White Castle and we did not go back. That okay, I you skipped out free tickets, skipped <laughs> out on Josh. One Rattel, of the greatest living oh, to get White Castle. All. Listen, okay, so we don't have White Castle here, but I have seen enough of what mm-hmm. food that is to know yeah. why that's so funny. It's so, like worse than McDonald's. It's, it's worse than if my, I had gone to get McDonald's. I love that. That is fantastic. <laughs> so it really is shit on Joshua Bell podcast. Yeah, I, I don't know tear why down I have any it out kind for this of self esteem, any kind of ego this man has. Just tear it right down. <laughs> I fantastic. I feel bad because I like don't have anything against him. No, he's but actually quite. Yeah, no, talk he's shit. very proficient. Talking about proficient <laughs> yeah. violin player. Okay. Yes. <laughs> no, this is a really bold thing to do for our first podcast, but I, would I know. like to talk about Ben Shapiro. Oh my god! Okay, that is yeah. So let's go there. Intense. Just like real quick, I have seen that one recording of him playing when he was like ten or eleven. I don't know his music. He's a violin player now. Okay, how fucking course he is. Listen, a fucking course. I you this know makes how, so much sense now. I I have a bit of a theory about him. Um, so when he was about ten or eleven, I think he was that age. I really honestly watched that video. He was quite proficient. There was like emotion in what he was doing. I thought. Yeah, he's a kid. There was a couple of slip-ups. There was a couple of some tone yeah, stuff, but sure. it felt really human. It felt really like you got something going for you. It I genuinely mean that. And I have also heard what he currently plays like. He has some it is actually heartbreaking. He has somehow lost all emotion, all feeling in what he does. Like he plays exactly as written. He plays exactly Sweet what is I suppose to be expected of him and it's just it's really sad like it's not that kid who was doing that performance oh it's just it's actually yeah like lacks the creativity and like emotional connection to it I this is news to me yeah and now now I'm gonna fall down a Ben Shapiro playing violin rabbit hole yeah it's it it is worth it to see what I mean it's just kind of I wonder what happened like over these years like I have a couple of ideas but like it's just um I don't know I I would if I were to have a conversation with him that would be a question I'd ask I I'd want to ask about his music journey because that what what happened yeah I feel like also as like lifelong intimate musicians it's so telling how yeah. someone utilizes their instrument and utilizes that voice because it is yeah. it, it is its own voice, right? Absolutely. Um, that's just a really interesting observation. Yeah. I imagine that you were right that something <laughs> something occurred there, which I mean, we could say that even without the music changes, right? Because who <laughs> who be an ass like that? Ooh, what <laughs> happens for you to 
make this your entire personality. I mean, look, yeah. that's... Anyway. Hey, maybe he didn't get into music school. Mm, I Did mean, he get into music school? I, I think... He, some, I need a I Ben mean, Shapiro really, biography. To my knowledge, I think he, like, really focused on wanting to do film stuff. And so when that didn't pan out, you know... Mm. Um, who's to say who's to say and who even cares um anyway um music. i love the ben shapiro violin deep dive yeah that's, that's the vibe <laughs> it is a vibe hey it's that's delightful um i think i don't know i i really do feel bad because it's all it's like seeing someone's passion just wither away yeah and now he's just very bitter and upset and honestly like have you ever thought about having fun it's quite good yeah that's the big question we should write him a letter that's just have you ever thought about having fun like genuinely ever because this cannot be fun for you right now and it's not fun for the majority of people it's (laughs) like just stop Anyway, we were talking about music. So there's our first giant tangent that we went on. Ben yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, we're talking about music. Another like weird little aspect of like what happened when I got injured, I was it just it struck me when you were talking about how changing instruments was kind of emotionally connected to you. And mm-hmm. that was like yeah. very much the case for me as well around the same time as um when I got uh when the when I was just suddenly unable to really get the same dexterity um I ended up well like because you know I had chosen music subjects like what am I gonna do just like drop I'm not gonna just drop it that's insane that's part of my life so I started focusing on voice that started being Mm. my thing so I had already been taking a lesson here and there, but like that became my thing. And around the same time, um, like just around eight months before the pains really started, my grandfather passed away and Mm. he was the one when I was young, he played violin. Like that was his thing. Yeah. No one else in the family did like that was just us. And he was he was fucking stoked when he found out he had a grandkid who played violin. Like that was just, that was, he was so stoked with that. He, a lot of his kids, whilst musical, they played maybe piano or guitar, but it was never violin. But that was, that was our thing. So when he passed away, I think there was an innate, like I kind of, it's feeling a bit weird to play it. And also I was starting to resent the instrument a little bit. There was a lot, Mm. there was a lot of like um, kind of pressure going on at school, but then like I started feeling pain playing. So then switching to voice became a weirdly intimate process in the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Um, Singing feels a lot more exposed for me as well. I think Um, I, had one recital one voice recital ever and decided that singing was not for me in the like professional sense of it because it 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 wasn't even about not being talented as much as it was just a kind of exposure and visibility that I don't feel when I'm on 
something like a violin or a viola, even though that like is its own type of voice and is its own type of expression that's still very visible. Something about voice, I tell you, it's like a a thing that just it's a little too intimate for me to share it. it, But I personally, yeah. And but when I receive singing and songs from other people like that, I'm like, yeah, that's a I just felt connected to your soul because you just sang for me you know oh yeah no I understand that completely I think um it was definitely really different for me going from not only I played violin as a soloist but like in ensembles Mm. but the only stuff that I had been doing with voice were in choirs and stuff and that was always Obviously so did you move background. did you move on to solo stuff yeah well I needed to now? for my class well I don't well I don't do anything with music now which like breaks my little heart a little bit but we'll get to that story in a little bit um so with the choir stuff that was obviously you, you're in the background this is not for solo work and suddenly I was being critiqued on what I'm doing on my own and that was like yeah Ooh, it's no longer like your intonation it's personal it's about mm. you and yeah. I unfortunately had a pretty unfair music director at the time um and like this was me switching from um you probably so the structure of high school in Australia so year 11 and 12 year 11 is the second last year of high school and you do units one and two of each subject in year 12, that's the last year you do units three and four. So units three and four is what's really marked uh, for when you're supposed to go to uni and stuff. Hmm. Um, so I had to switch from having done all of violin my whole life to doing units three and four voice suddenly. So this was already like a giant change for me. This was... Well, no, I started with units one and two. Like I, I started year 11, 100%, because that's when I had the surgery. But it was mm. just like um, that transition was not an, e- not an easy one at all. It was like this was my entire life, and suddenly I need to figure out how to make this work because what am I going to do, drop music? That's not yeah. – I'm not doing that. Um, so when I finally – when I'm like finally settling into things, the critiques did not become productive from the music director. It was, I don't like your tone, which like, that's what I sound like, man. Like I can't change that. Like the tone in this song wasn't good. Like it wasn't about the clarity. It wasn't anything like that. Like I can't change that. And there was a, a fair amount of time, year 11, I was not doing well. Like, mentally regarding music because it was like there's nothing I can do to fix this and already the school was starting to like reject me like I like I had been there like all these years doing music all these years since I was four years old like so prep yeah up until now and suddenly I was not being invited to the year to the like high like the VCE which is Victoria Certificate Education that's 11 and 12 um like soiree like I'm the only music person not invited like that 
that's intense. not even invited how does that yeah. have to even and my do whole class with... was invited like that's really intense that makes so... no sense that's ridiculous yeah, so there was a lot of like that start, starting to like, okay, well, you can't do that anymore. You can't provide for us in that way. And we don't want to support you in transitioning into a vocalist. So, um, but I don't know what clicked in me in, in year 12 at the beginning, or maybe even like, I, not even at the beginning, that's too generous to me. I think middle of the year, year 12 for me, something clicked and I just went, I don't actually care anymore and every piece of feedback he gave me even though I knew every mark that he gave me was being sent to like the official like big marking it was just kind of like the majority of my mark is going to be based on my performance and my written exam and I know I'm gonna ace those and I did so I don't know it was fine coming out of high school out of that was like so fine because I was really I was happy and I actually really aced my performance yeah I I love a good um someone's trying to fuck with you or fuck up your trajectory and you still are able to fucking just pass everything with flying colors we yeah. love that we love, we love that story <laughs> and he was doing really petty stuff as well like he's yeah. an adult I was a kid right yeah because um, this isn't even we're not even talking college we're no, talking like I, I was 17 in yeah. year 12 right like that I was a kid um one of the so that year I was I was in every like musical and play right i bloody love theater that's the I really miss doing theater that was such a fun time um so year 12 we actually did the whiz now oh we'll talk God, about yes. the, we'll talk about the injustices of me the single black person not being cast as Dorothy like we'll talk about the and not only that like I'm a year 12 student so that means like I should have been cast as a lead like we're not going to talk about that injustice just today but um <laughs> All you need to know is I was Aunt M. Um, and I'm not sure if you know. Now listen. Yes. I'm aware of the whiz and pop culture. I'm aware of how important the whiz is in pop culture. I'm aware of how important the whiz is for the culture. Um, however, however, I have never fucking seen the whiz, dude. Okay, listen. <laughs> I listen. have not seen it. Uh, I know that shit is banging. Like, I know that's the shit, but I have not seen it. Okay. This is, here's another controversial opinion. So I don't think the movie is that good. Okay. I think, I think where it's at is seeing it on stage, unfortunately, because it is so cool. It is, I, it, it had, it's so fun. It, it's such a delightful collection of songs and choreography and costumes and even even the bloody there was a tv event that happened a couple of years ago that just did not land because you're not capturing the did that have Todrick Hall in it am I making that up oh you actually might be right but I know for a fact that Neo was in it as oh my in... god that's probably I confuse them because to me <laughs> it's like the same energy like Neo and Todrick Hall have the same energy 
Also no, Neo. Right, I know. <laughs> and look, I, okay, I just don't, it didn't capture the energy because in my opinion, half of the vibe of this is like Black Church, like the energy that you yeah. get back from the audience. Mm-hmm. And like so many of the songs are clearly of the, you know, of the genre as well. It's just like, come on, it, you're not going to feel the same thing watching it in a film. And you're not going to feel the same thing when the cast is just playing it to an empty audience. Like it's just, yeah. it's just not the same. Anyway, so The Wiz, right? The opening song, The Feeling That We Once Had, right? That song is a slowish ballad. It's kind of a bit like a lullaby, but that's the opening song. And that was like, uh, so that was my singing. That was like my one solo in the mm. whole thing. I don't know why the man, the music director, fully tried to try to sabotage it every night. He sped it up so oh fast that it became like a speedy ballad. Put your arms around my child, which was like, that's not what this song sounds like. It was really weird. And I like, kept getting feedback, like, what are you doing? And he was, and he kept like blaming me somehow. Like I'm the one who's pushing the orchestra. I was, oh, it, it was a weird time. I was a 17 year old kid. It was a weird yeah. time. Yeah. There are, so many better ways to even deal with that I don't know music adults who are in power positions over students because I hesitate to call some of them teachers let's be honest Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. supervisors there's there's such a problem there's such a problem and it's I can only sort of for people who aren't in, because I keep forgetting that we're recording a fucking podcast right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's people who will listen to this. Um, for people who aren't like into music, aware of music or music culture, music education culture. Um, the thing I think that's maybe more accessible is thinking about how like ballet has been portrayed mm-hmm. in like pop culture as yes. like this very harsh environment where the adults um kind of get away with saying whatever they want to say to you yeah uh, even if it's like really awfully racist yeah or so... think about think about the movie whiplash yeah <laughs> um yeah with yeah my man I can't remember his name I love him so much give me pictures of spider-man um <laughs> yes 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 JK Simmons yes. um <laughs> he you know he plays that that part very well and it's it's yeah. ridiculous how common that is, even not so much in, you know, the experiences I've had haven't necessarily been violence with teachers, yeah. but um, definitely that sense of like, I know better than you, you're garbage, and it's your job to prove to me that you're not as garbage as I think you are. Yeah. And so. if you can't do that, then you might as well get out of my face. Yeah. And I feel like it's not talked about enough the kinds of conversations that are had behind closed doors sometimes they're not even behind closed doors but yes a lot of times stuff behind closed doors is fucked and there's that absolutely like there's that double pressure of I'm not sure if you ever experienced I'm sure you did but if you don't adhere to a particular image if Mm -hmm. you're a black person playing classical Mm -hmm. music 
the teacher gets mad at you, starts like rejecting you, starts perhaps even like if you don't act like this, you're not going to be put into this. I think luckily, luckily at Denison, it was kind of the opposite for me. I felt like some of the people that I worked with um, kind of enjoyed having the the brown girl play music publicly. Right. You know, um, there were events that I felt like that were not like events where I was performing or anything, but just that I was sort of um, kind of paraded around to like the people who wear suits and ties and give yeah. money to oh, things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Completely understand. Um, so I, I felt a little tokenized, but ultimately had a, a fair amount of decent experiences with the people who I spent a lot of time working with. Yeah. Um, there was some stuff that like happened at Denison re professors that like I can't talk about <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like some big campus issue shit like that right. really just stems from deeper deeper issues in higher education in general like let's not even talk about Denison but like a lot of higher ed places um, a lot of music departments across yeah. the board are that you know operate similarly but um, luckily I didn't feel like there was too much racial discrimination but there was definitely yeah. like a class gap there was yeah. um by way of of not having gone to like private school or had you know having had my own high quality instrument or been at a school where I learned music theory that sort of thing um there was a lot that I that I definitely felt was a barrier whether it was race class whatever yeah there were definitely some barriers in place in different aspects of my music career yeah no I know exactly (laughs) what you mean and The weird part, I think, about the way I was approached, like, racially. So, I mean, look, back then, I was a vastly different person than I am now. Obviously, I was a child, but, you know, I was still dealing with a lot of internalized hatred. Like, I was, Mm. my hair was still really, really straight. I was, like... Um, and you know, that's not to say like straight hair equals internalized hatred. It's just like for me, sure. it absolutely did. Like sure. at the time. I was I um, resonate with that. I was in the same place for like up until 2018 when I graduated. I was a flat iron the shit out of my hair. Definitely yeah. be for me because of like internal yeah, internal racism. It was very much like I can't stand my natural texture type thing. Like yeah. it's just I need it gone. So like that was part of like who I was at the time. And I know um, as a young kid, there was a lot of me that was trying to dis- distance myself from a lot of things that were like visibly black, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that manifests in weird ways. Like as a kid, I know one of the weirder ones was the avoidance of wearing gold jewelry um, oh my god looking at me little... right now I know me right now like <laughs> that's all out. I can wear like I can't even imagine wearing silver anymore like that's just gold is where it's at um yes I don't know, it's just such a I don't shudder to think like I, I just feel sad to think about like that kid who was just doing whatever she could just to yeah be liked I don't know there was a lot of different things and there was a lot that I tolerated that I should absolutely have not tolerated um 
that's like a whole thing right is like the shit that we go through that like we can look back on it and say oh I should have responded this way I should have stood up for myself more I should have taken up more space yeah and it's like you know coulda woulda shoulda but that's not really how life works right we can't we can't always be perfect in every moment and especially in issues of prejudice you know it's the onus isn't on you to to sort of make sure that you're operating correctly yeah, every right. time, right? No. It's it's not your system that you created. It's a system that you're part of that wants to just fucking keep you down. Like, yeah. that's how, how better can I explain it? And, you know, sometimes you need to be safe and sometimes that's yes. what your brain decides and that's perfectly fine. I think mm-hmm. it's preferable and I'm always going to encourage safety over getting the good word in so yeah yeah because we can we can organize in community with people who support us but when you're in the thick of it and you're the only one advocating for yourself sometimes sometimes you just gotta stay safe yeah (laughs) sometimes you gotta be safe yeah anyway so back then assimilating all that good stuff yes um so there was an aspect of you're not acting black enough for us to tokenize you. So that Mm -hmm. was a really strange little cycle that was occurring. Um, But then there was also the aspect of like, but you are also too ethnic and black enough to like fit you in naturally with a lot of these lovely quartets and ensembles and vocal stuff Mm -hmm. because, well, the tone of your voice is just not right, right? It's just the tone of your voice. Right, which like is such a dog whistle fucking mm-hmm. thing to say, right? We get Insane. policed on how we talk all the time, on how we express ourselves vocally all the time. Yeah. That's some dog whistle shit right there. Yeah. And so that in combination to like literally being graded on my voice was like, that was really intense. Yeah. I mean, look, after high school, I joined a choir, um, which that choir... I'm not going to sit here and say it did not provide me joy because it did. There were many years of joy with that choir, many moments of joy. Um, it was run by an old music director that I really did respect and I still do respect, but um, you know, I can acknowledge that a lot of the decisions she made were pretty problematic. And um, some of the things that she said to me over the years were pretty racially charged and a bit, yeah but like you know I still adored her um so yeah spending time in that choir was really was a lot of it really enjoyable but um some of it I mean the beginning of the end was when uh a song was chosen called Harriet Tubman um and listen I'm I was literally the only black person involved in this choir so this was already like a really weird like a sea of white faces just singing about slavery with the first line being last night I dreamed I wasn't slavery which is like did you girl um so that was the beginning of the end obviously um (laughs) I can't even I can't even I've been trying to figure out like what do I even say right now (laughs) this this is something I don't have words for no and if you listen to the song it's even it's worse than you think like it's not even it's a modern spiritual written by a white person so like you 
we'll put it in the show notes it's we'll put in the show notes People like can listen to it. you can listen to it but like you know user discretion advised yeah 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 yeah, my yeah. goodness what don't a song traumatize yourself don't, it is not honestly <laughs> i wouldn't do it i can't get the song out of my brain and i wish i could so um anyway so that was the beginning of the end um but i think then there was a lot of like weird interpersonal stuff that was going on in the choir and then boom uh i came to terms with being trans and stuff and i'm like it doesn't sit right with me anymore and i just can't sit here being in a women's choir and that's all y'all talk about and you have like that look they're all at a particular age where womanhood for them is really defined by certain things and i'm like cool Mm -hmm. um that's really cool for y'all but this just does not resonate with me anymore so i'm about i gotta head out so i left that choir a couple years yeah i i feel that sounds like there was already a lot going on there anyway that like getting out was was probably long overdue yeah (laughs) but that was the final push so uh well, this has been a fantastic conversation about music. I, so. I do want to circle back because oh, yeah. um, I was just thinking about how like we have done a whole episode basically and still not talked about the vision for this moving forward. Like that we is accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think um, the best way, you know, we are clearly our little neurodivergent learn by doing kind of people. Yeah. And so maybe we're just giving the description of the podcast by just doing it. Um, but I think when we first, and I'll, you know, you can talk a little bit about this because I think this is such a collaborative project and we both have our own things that we're bringing to the table. But for me, this space feels like just a continuation of the long, long conversations that we have been having around. Like most of the time, it's just that we're meeting to talk about Unbound and what we're going to be doing with Unbound. And then we start really connecting over the space over community over our shared experiences and I think that in and of itself is something that feels valuable to share with the community especially now more than ever just these spaces where voices with a particular set of experiences and intersecting identities can have a space to um you know be uplifted elevated uh and I think that's where we maybe talk about how like how we want to carry this forward and the types of things that maybe we will be doing on this podcast, along with also our vision for, you know, occasionally sharing this space with other voices as well and having discussions and stuff like that. So that's sort of my two cents on it, but I know that you also have some very eloquent things that we've spoken about that maybe I'm putting you on the spot to recall in this moment um a vision oh, you know for I'm the podcast waffling on, so. <laughs> we, I mean, we both are I think yeah I hope that's, so that's like half the reason we saw this podcast because we can waffle on so yeah I mean that's <laughs> that's a big one but I think um you know I briefly touched on it but there's a lot of us that has been very in sync in our mm-hmm. lives there's a lot that like our experiences have mirrored each other but not necessarily imitated or mimicked but there's so many similarities in a lot of our lives and not just um not just like our lives but our ancestors our history 
and I think um I think a lot of the conversation about the black diaspora doesn't often involve the black diaspora I think a lot yes. of the conversation is black USians so and yes and despite all of us having such identical experiences just shifted slightly yeah there is such a lot of separation and misunderstanding and I don't know I think like you said it is valuable to be sharing these conversations to find that community to find a bit more than what um what society has kind of given to us because I mean I don't want to speak on your country per se (laughs) but I feel like there's a lot of um isolation with a lot of the approach that um some black Americans approach community with the black Mm -hmm. diaspora as a whole and I don't think a lot of people realize how much of American imperialism like that's inherently upholding. It's like if you're yeah. saying that you're not part of my community because you're from whatever country, it's like, oh, hey. Or just not even knowing that I, I think the term black diaspora yeah. in so many in so many of the activist communities that I've been part of is something that it's like, yes, it happened in other places, but the U.S. is where, yeah. you know, so much of the important shit has happened. And yeah. I think that that sort of line of thinking really runs into a lot of problems with yeah. with just overall, like you said, like uh, American imperialism um, in general, just this idea that I think is pervasive in every major part of American culture today, which is that yeah. America is the only fucking place that exists, apparently. Yeah. You know, that like we are only ever so concerned with with everything that's going on with us or even just the sentiment that we should only be concerned with what's going on here Mm. um as though we're not part of a larger global global community as though borders aren't bullshit and completely arbitrary you know and and just some of the ways that we see community social issues that sort of thing it's it's all from a very specific lens yeah, that is not necessarily present in a lot of other parts of the world. And how much fuller could our idea, like our vision of liberation and community be if we allowed it to encompass so many other facets? And that I is actually something, like a problem I run into at work. And this is where I kind of talk a little bit about work. I, just for context, work as a consultant at like an anti-discrimination organization. So I do a lot of like reviews and try to make policies better, try to improve things. But um, the point of what I'm saying is a lot of the problems I run into is finding resources that aren't US-based. There is so so much out there that yes absolutely this is important research but like this does not apply to an Australian context this does not apply to any kind of wider context at all and um it's something that I think in the last couple of years in Australia people have been trying to improve on just trying to get a bit more personalized research surrounding racial justice and how that obviously is indigenous justice first yes. and yeah um, all that um I 
I, I, what I'm saying is I think there is definitely a shift, but it's still such a struggle to be finding information that is tailored, like, um, even like the concept of intersectionality, despite by definition, what it means and stuff, there's still so many resources that aren't related whatsoever to the wider diaspora in general. Yeah. Yeah. I, one other addition to that that's that feels related um i feel like there is something we we sort of talked about starting this baby idea of the podcast like however long ago that was where not just talking not just talking about like the lack of resources for places that are not America, um, because that's how we sort of think about it here. Obviously, yeah. it's like there's America and there's not America. Yeah. And all we're concerned with is what is America? Um, but also even just spaces where black voices are uplifted mm. and where like people of color in general are uplifted. Um, a lot of times, and we we sort of talked about this, I think it's in the notes somewhere. I think I was looking at that earlier, and that's why it's on my mind. But um yeah. this idea that the space is geared almost towards a white audience and an educational mm. capacity that yes. even when black people are talking, it's still part of a greater, wider plea to white people to yes. listen to this and to absorb this information, synthesize it, turn it into action or whatever. And I think you and I decided early on that we wanted this space to be not that, not, not intended that for you know, white people can listen. Absolutely. <laughs> right. And, and, and any other group of people that maybe aren't, uh, part of minority groups, however, um, it's not intended to be an educational resource. It's tended to, it's intended to be community, yeah. community gathering, community care, community imagination, you know, that sort of thing, rather yeah. than, uh, let's educate some white people today. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I feel like we've done a lot of, a lot of educating. Yeah. I'm not here for unpaid, unpaid labor. Unpaid educating. (laughs) And I mean, there's something weirdly voyeuristic about it, isn't it? It's like, um, that, that kind of weird need to put on a show for, Mm -hmm. um, to represent something to black people. Yeah something and like I rather than just being black folks existing yeah you know existing, existing in space with each other yeah and that's what we want to be doing with this and the yeah. feral part is just well we just want things to go with the flow yeah no it's it's the feral end of things is definitely because it we're fucking feral yeah um I mean we are yeah. we are rabid <laughs> no i I was I was gonna say no filter. We have like a obviously we clearly have a filter, but like we say good shit anyway. So like yes, yes. Um, I think the filter is we kind of make eye contact and say, "Are we willing to deal with what's gonna happen?" Because I said that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first test was Ben Shapiro, so like it's a yeah, bold one. Well, Joshua Bell. Oh, that one though. <laughs> that one with proper starting beef. Joshua Joshua Bell it's gonna turn into like the Wendy's Twitter beef with us and him (laughs) who am I kidding he for real 
like truly he's never going to ever no know going to see but... it's <laughs> like, nobody nobody listening to this is gonna fucking know who joshua bell is <laughs> that's for us that's a joke for us yeah cool. it's a joke for us it's gonna be a joke in every every episode now we're gonna find a way to weave joshua bell into it <laughs> at least i am yeah well that's the thing, i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna give you this this week in joshua bell news yeah this week in joshua <laughs> bell news. i mean that's a great little segue to introduce yes. our segment of what the hell what, what do we call it what the hell is going on in your country yeah something like that i think we could I don't know podcast rules on different platforms so we'll just say hell instead of dropping an f-bomb every time yeah I who's to say we probably should censor yeah who cares we'll Um, mark it mark it explicit I think you can do that on on podcast platforms now just say it's an explicit podcast I mean yeah there's no way we could possibly censor us we're just well it's too feral isn't it yeah it's a little too feral a little too feral Um, so if you want to like give a little spiel about your situation with your news yeah well about American news yeah the little I mean I mean there's just stupid stuff happening like I I was not able to find anything that was even relatively lighthearted this week because we you know have bad things happening and I don't even want to put a name to it because this feels like a nice good vibey energy we have here and we don't need you know trauma brought into it um but yeah nothing great's happening right now um god even fucking Rick and Morty doesn't even get to be good anymore it doesn't even get to hey that's just that I mean that's such a intense thing yeah yeah I you know I will say um Maybe I'll do some digging into like niche news next time. Yeah. <laughs> Just in terms of national news, there's what the fuck is going on in America. Oh, sorry. What the hell is going on in America? <laughs> um, garbage stuff as always. Yeah, it's a God. bad, it's a bad time to be here. It's a bad time. So I will yeah. leave it at that. And then we will hear some nice funky news from yeah. Australia, hopefully. So, yeah, <laughs> we've got some funky. It's, I mean, it's fucked, but it's funky. Um, we have um, lost something in Western Australia. Oh, God. Um, it is a, high, a piece of highly radioactive material. Um, Wait a second. So, How do you lose it? Wait, what? Okay. okay. Yeah, let me let you explain because I already have questions. <laughs> um, so this wait. is in Western Australia. I'm going to share my screen with you so you can see what yes. I'm talking about and we'll add links to to the description and things so this is western australia in this section of root a small six millimeter by eight millimeter disc of highly radioactive material was lost somewhere there so- a just to describe what I'm looking at, it was a very what seems to be a very long section of highway. Yes, a in fact, and a tiny, tiny kilometer section of highway. Wait, and how many this miles tiny, is that? I have. I don't. <laughs> While you're talking, I'm gonna I'm gonna cool. convert it. But yeah, fourteen hundred kilometers stretch of road is where a six by eight millimeter tiny disc of highly radioactive material was lost. 
which is oh my god and get this we only just learned about that it was when we're talking about highly radioactive like wait did you just say two weeks ago it was lost two weeks ago and it's just the news is just now breaking yep I I was looking at the the first line of this article it says uh potentially deadly yeah because get this so uh it emits both gamma and beta rays has a half-life of 30 years close exposure could result in burns more sustained exposure I'm I'm not a scientist right um what the fuck what what can this do to people what can well like a radio tiny radioactive thing do it'll result in burns and more sustained exposure can lead to acute radiation sickness and like touching it or just being in the vicinity being in the vicinity of it uh and so there is a long-term risk of cancer with this what the fuck and it's just this tiny little thing they gotta find yeah and like if this got stuck in someone's like tires or something you know like that's really scary but yeah that's um that's a weird little nugget so we only just found out about that holy cow that's like (laughs) a lot also i was looking oh well i typed in 14 kilometers instead of fourteen thousand. um but it looks like it'd be like eight thousand or so miles um so that's a lot that's a lot of stretch that's a huge fucking yeah that's that's an unbelievably long stretch of road that they've just lost this This tiny little guy oh my gosh yeah um stay safe out there like yeah where is that close to you is that it's not close to me no but like a lot of people drive along there you know that's there's a lot of truck yeah and stuff and you know it doesn't even matter if not many people drive there or something this is so dangerous this is yeah yeah I hope this is dealt with soon because my yeah, I don't even know how you would even like begin the search for that. I mean, I, I guess know. they could they could like use stuff that can pick up like they have the radiation or whatever. Detect, but, like, yeah. I mean, surely they've tried that. You know what I mean? Like, right, it's been right. Two weeks. Like, surely they tried that because maybe why... they haven't had the time to <laughs> go through all fourteen thousand kilometers yet. Oh, that is so stressful. That's uh yeah well, that's that's definitely lighthearted news, Inkvi. <laughs> you Listen, said it was a little lighter. <laughs> well, compared to like most things, I think yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's a little lighter. <laughs> so that's probably what <laughs> Wow. Um. Yeah. That you kind of with dating it too. I guess I'll date like American news right now, but I I am not going to talk about yet another police killing because that's yeah there's enough of that out um but uh yeah no oh I guess I did date it with Rick and Morty I'll just leave it at that I don't want to go into American shit too much shit is happening it's depressing it's depressing um I am looking here we've been talking for a while yeah so I don't know if you feel like we are just hot shit right now and should keep chit-chatting away but we could also I mean, look, we should probably bring at least episode one to a close. Yes. Yes. I mean, we don't want to, like, drive away everyone (laughs) starting episode one. Yeah, not everyone just yet. Not everyone just yet. Everyone will get get their turn later. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait. Be patient. (laughs)
well I mean as always it was absolutely lovely chatting to you and of course I think I think this will be a delightful podcast once we get this really going yeah me too this uh this is a good conversation the time flew by uh and we hit so many topics and already have a really good jumping off place for the next conversation we do and um and are we aiming for we're aiming for about monthly at this point but that is subject to change yes i think monthly feels good and we are also creative people who find ourselves in fits of mania sometimes so who knows it might be daily who's to say (laughs) (laughs) daily for a week and then you don't hear never again six months (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) live stream 24 hours and then we are gone gone we don't exist anymore not even here missing persons we aren't even like nobody knows where we went who 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 was that just who was it name struck from the record stricken whatever whatever it's the end we don't need to get into that anyway (laughs) all right well until next time i guess thank you for listening thank you for listening to absolutely feral you can find out more about our shenanigans on our website unboundartscollective.com or on instagram at unboundzine